listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, we'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Uh, hey everyone, welcome back to the Hand Cell series of the Skylight Books podcast. I'm the podcast producer and host, Nick Kowaleski, alongside my co-host, Maddie Gobo, events manager. Maddie, I feel like every single time we record an episode, I have to start off by saying, what a week. <laughs> and frankly, I'm getting sick of it. <laughs> yeah, let's have a week where no one does anything. Yeah, Everyone just stays like, perfectly still. Please, just everyone just hold tight and relax for just a week so that we can get a break. Um, Us personally, we personally need a break. Everyone else should relax for our benefit. Me and Mick are the most important people. Honestly, like, yes, (laughs) mostly us, but also everyone else. Uh, That's not how 2020 works, unfortunately. Um, I mean, let's let's get it out of the way. Right now, uh, we've been watching, along with the rest of the world, what's happening in Minneapolis. Um, and we just want to say that we are very much in favor of all the protests, everything that's going on down there to contradict the police brutality that happened. Can we say that? Is that, <laughs> is that yeah. fair to say on behalf of the bookstore? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, yes, Skylight uh, does have kind of a bit of a leftist bent and um, we, we do offer uh, a lot of radical reading material and um, we feel that what's happening in Minneapolis and in Louisville and uh, in lots of other cities, San Jose right now, I think has a big protest on the 101. Mm-hmm. Um, it's long overdue. I mean, I think people have been trying to be heard for a long, long time. And, you know, when the structures of power don't listen, you get louder and you start to break stuff and that's normal. (laughs) Um, We'll see what happens um, in the coming weeks. I'm, I I am encouraged by how quickly uh, that cop was arrested. So rare to see a cop arrested for any reason. Right. Um, Uh, The fact that it is so rare I think speaks to, 
I, like it, it sucks that that feels shocking in a weird way, like a pleasant surprise. Like, oh, someone who killed another person was brought into custody. Um, I'm waiting for the other, the three bystanding cops to also be taken into custody, but that's just me personally. Uh, you know, I think that's what's that, like, not only do we have to take the, you know, actual um, killers to task, but we also have to take the bystanders to task. You know? Yeah, I think, I think silence plays a big part in, in this conversation that we, that we are having as a country right now, that there are a lot of people who have felt for a long time very comfortable standing by the sidelines, um, you know, showing support in ways that don't risk anything. <laughs> uh, right. And that's just not acceptable anymore. We're at, I was, I'm going to have a, have a bit of an aside. I was just having a conversation with Andres Newman, uh, the, the author for a Skylit episode. And he talked about um, how we now live in a time where our lives are being shaped by borderless forces, um, mm. climate change, capitalism, fascism, you know, things where we expect that they'll only touch one part of our world, but really they don't move that way. Um, they're, right. they're moving in these unrestricted ways. And uh, the only way we can fight back against them is if everybody gets on board <laughs> and comes together. Uh, and, and it's really time to get off the sidelines now. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of work to be done and everybody Absolutely. has to be on board for it or we're gonna all suffer. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, you could add COVID to that list. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Borderless forces. Um, yeah, I think it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a little personally afraid of, of you know, ex everyone seeing this one person get arrested and saying, you know, all right, that's it. We did it. Um, because it's not over yet. And, you know, I, I'm a little heartened to see that it actually happened. But at the same time, I think it's good to keep a little skepticism <laughs> i think yeah. the world has taught us as much yeah um while we're on the subject i wanted to urge everyone who's listening to go and donate to the minneapolis free or the sorry the minnesota freedom fund i believe um which is uh a fund designed to bail out any protester that was arrested over the past week um I donated, I know a lot of other Skyliners donated. Uh, and then Maddie, you wanted to point something out really cool, another little institution in Minneapolis yeah. that doing good stuff. Yeah, uh, I wanted to sh give a shout out to Moon Palace Books, um, which is just a fantastic independent bookstore located right next to the third precinct that burned down last night. Mm -hmm. um, and they have been doing some incredible work to support their community. Um, I, I hope you guys check them out, you know, buy some gift cards, give them some, some of your money somehow, um, because, you know, institutions like that, uh, that are not only um, engaged in their neighborhood, th their neighborhood change, um, but are, you know, really putting themselves on the line for their communities, like, they're valuable, we have to keep them around. Um, so check out Moon Palace Books at moonpalacebooks.com. The Minnesota Freedom Fund is at minnesotafreedomfund.org. Mm -hmm. um, so we hope you find, find those and show your support that way. Thank you. But I wanted to talk about Moon Palace a little bit because a little bit more just because there were some other pretty cool things that was, well, one, you mentioned that they were right next door to the police precinct. Um, 
I wanted to point out that it was untouched, but also they also they had a. I think you mentioned before we started recording that they had a medical tent set up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they were outside. distributing supplies to the protesters um, who had been pepper sprayed. I think. Um, again, I'm getting all this from social media, so I, I have not journalistically vetted this information. But um, yeah, Moon Palace, it looks like, has been out there among their community, helping them directly in their time of need. And you know, what else? What else are indie bookstores for? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Anyway. Uh, all right. Well, um, um, I wanted to also uh, talk about just very quickly, we've put together um, a list of a reading list for you all uh, on unlearning racism. So just, you know, if you're interested in really tackling some of the internal stuff you've got going on, I know I do. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I need to read a lot of the books on this list. Um, we, we are putting that up on our homepage but you can find it at uh, skylightbooks.com slash unlearning dash racism dash recommended dash reading. We'll put the link in the episode description. Awesome. And uh, is that on a, can you find that on our homepage too? Is that, are we pushing that on the homepage or? Yes, I will put up a banner after we get off of this call so you can find Perfect. it very easily. Well, I'll cut that out so that we, it's going to be on, it'll be on the banner by the time this, uh, by the time this episode drops. So just check it out on the, on the homepage. Um, do you, uh, what sort of titles do we have up there right now? Just so to shout them out. Far, yeah, so we've been soliciting recommendations from the whole Skylight staff. Um, so uh, what we've got here so far, we've got Freedom is a Constant Struggle by Angela Davis. Uh, Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings. How We Get Free by Kinaga Yamada Taylor. Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall. The History of White People by Nell Irvin Painter, White Rage by Carol Anderson, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, Sister Outsider by Audre Lorde, This Bridge Called My Back by Sherry Moraga, All About Love by Bell Hooks. I mean, it, it goes on. I'm not going to read all of them, but there are so many good picks on here. Um, we really hope you can check it out. Absolutely. And uh, a personal recommendation, uh, you know, I have, I think, gone through self-interrogation throughout the past, like, whenever I moved out of the small town <laughs> that I grew up in. Um, one book that was really instrumental for me that I'd like to personally shout out is Between the World and Me um, by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, it's, it was really instrumental in helping me, I think, uh, come to terms with the illusion of whiteness and what that means on a day-to-day -day basis for, you know, um, people of color and, you know, how my interactions with them really affect the world. So I want to really shout that book out. Um, yeah. And then, uh, I guess it's a good segue into, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll shake it up. We'll shake the structure of the intro up a little bit because, uh, we usually save the, what you're reading segment or the book recommendation segment for last, but, you know, do you have anything that you'd like to plug? Yeah, um, well, this is like a hard left turn into um, fun, uh, not nonsense, but, you know, just pure pleasure reading, <laughs> um, which, yeah, I think I've already mentioned on the podcast, but I'm going to plug it again because I think it's so good. Uh, <laughs> Vagabond by Anna Dorn. It's her debut novel. Um, it's set here in LA. It's about a, 
very disaffected young lawyer who gets swept up in the LA rap scene um, and kind of has like a moment of viral fame uh, and it completely destroys her life uh, in, in very funny and dark and poisonous ways. Um, I, I just thought it was so funny and, and wonderful and freaky. And you can tell that uh, Anna is a huge fan of Real Housewives and Vanderpump Rules, which, you know, as, as I've mentioned, are you know, primary <laughs> interests right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, apart, you know, apart from the reality TV show stuff, I, I think the writing's fantastic. Um, and I think it really captures the kind of pre-COVID uh, just party vibes of, of LA in, you know, late 2019 um it's got all of that like influencer glitz and scum <laughs> in equal yeah. measures uh it's it's yeah it's just great um so you can get that from us uh at skylightbooks.com it's again vagablond that is the name of our protagonist's rap alter ego right and this is blonde with an e at the end blonde with an e yes that's there right. we go vagablond thank, thank you for clarifying yeah, it's a good episode, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Mick, what what about you? Uh, well, I'm still working through the Virgin Suicides. Um, still enjoying it. It's, I think, a little bit more than I expected to. I don't know. I don't know why. I think I have a healthy skepticism of like most. I don't know novels written by white guys. I always like approach them with like a you know I need a couple good recommendations before I like accept it and go into it with an open mind but yeah i'm you know we talked about the the simp narrators last week that real learning experience for me and uh they just keep getting simpier and simpier and uh it makes it uh you know it's 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 dark but it's also kind of funny in a weird way like the way the narrators talk but uh yeah um i can't wait to and i'm very excited to watch the movie afterwards uh Kristen Dunst's excellent performance. Who does she Indeed. play? Uh, she plays the the hottest of the sisters, whose name I'm forgetting right now. Lux? Is it yeah, Lux? Yeah, Lux. Lux. Ah, perfect. All right. I'm pretty excited for that. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm reading. And uh, yeah, so we've got a pretty good episode uh, today. We've got Mary right after we're done here with the intro, uh, giving us uh, an update on the curbside pickup process. A couple little friendly reminders. Um, I'm sure you guys are sick and tired of it at this point because it'll be like three straight weeks of curbside pickups. But just in case you need a little refresher, we've got uh, the head honcho herself in to break it down. And then Maddie, you're coming back with an old friend. Yeah. Um, so our conversation this episode is with David Gonzalez, the very wonderful David Gonzalez, oh. who oh, David. I miss a lot. Um, he was my predecessor as the events manager. He stepped down in November of 2019 um, to be a full-time dad to his fantastic <laughs> and funny and wild daughter. Um, and he's also working on a really cool new publishing project, which he's going to tell you about. Um, it's called Breaking and Entering. Breaking and Entering. Uh, and it's uh, a chapbook, short story experimental cross-genre writing by people of color uh, series that I think is going to be fantastic. Um, the first issue is already out and I think the second one is now in the works. 
so you can learn more about that in our chat. Uh, and yeah, you guys should uh, just like hang out with David sometime if you get a chance. He's really fun. Uh, he's so great. He's read a ton and loves to gossip. So. <laughs> and I might add, is a great follow on Letterboxd, the uh, film logging site. DD <laughs> David Gonzalez. <laughs> really good, really good Letterboxd follow. All right. Well, we'll get to Mary soon. And uh, Maddie, we'll talk to you later. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. Hello, this is Mary, the general manager of Skylight Books, back with another store update. A week and a half ago, we took over order fulfillment for our website orders again after two months of sending all our orders to our distribution partner to fill on our behalf. And we've begun offering phone orders and curbside pickup for limited hours too. It's great being back in the store and selling books again. As we've reoriented to this new way of being a bookstore, we've gotten lots of questions about how orders work now, when they'll be ready for pickup, and how curbside pickup works. So I thought I'd take this opportunity to quickly run through the process. Right now, it's taking about 48 hours, give or take, for us to get to your order after you place it. Once we reach your order, if all the books are in stock, we process the order and email you to let you know that it's ready for pickup, or we pack it up to be shipped, and you'll get an email with your tracking number. If the books are not all in stock, we'll order the books we don't have for you and email you with an estimated time frame for when your books will arrive. Basically, you should be getting an email from us for one reason or another about two days after placing your order. Also, a quick note about books that our website says are in stock. If our website thinks a book is in stock, it will say on our shelves now and list the quantity we have. The caveat is that the quantity our website thinks we have of a given title doesn't take into account the prior two days of orders that have been placed but not yet processed, so those copies may have already been purchased. The On Our Shelves Now numbers can give you an idea of what we have in stock, but are not fully accurate. If you choose curbside pickup for your order, please wait to be notified before coming to the store. If your order isn't ready by the time you come by, we won't be able to process it for you on the spot since we're processing these in the order they're received. But once you've been notified, come by the store between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. and call us when you're out front. We'll bring your order out and set it on the pickup table. Once our bookseller has stepped back, you can come forward to get your book. Masks are required for curbside pickup by the County of Los Angeles. We're so glad to be handling our own orders again, and we thank you very much for your orders and your patience as we gear up with this new system. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hand Cell. I am your host and events manager, Maddie Gobo. Um, joining me today is the previous events manager from Skylight Books, um, the, the man who trained me, uh, the wonderful David Gonzalez. David, hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Maddie. How's it going? Oh, you know, we're hanging in there. We're doing the thing. Nice, nice to see your face. Yeah. Nice to see your bandana face. <laughs> your hair's getting really long. <laughs> oh, it's getting weird over here, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, so you've yeah. been you've been home uh taking care of your daughter for the last couple months. Yeah. 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 So um like you mentioned, I was the the the, the previous events manager at Skylight and, and uh we have a we have a three year old and um we don't have any any family here in LA. Um and while we have two very lovely 
sort of nanny slash babysitters um, who we, we really love. Um, uh, you know, we, don't, we can't afford to have them full time. So it was just, it was a matter of time before um, I went into full, full dad, full, full stay at home dad. Um, dad mode. And it was, yeah, full, full dad mode. So um, step stepped down from my position in November, 2019. And I, I've been stay at home dad since. And it was sort of moving along swimmingly uh, until, until coronavirus. And then things just went way off the rails. Um, and that's where we are. So uh, <laughs> thankfully, my, my, uh, my, my lovely wife um, is, uh, is able to work from home. Um, so that's good. Um, and uh, just it's basically my job just to keep the kiddo um, out of her hair <laughs> while she can, <laughs> while while she uh, while she produces television. Yeah, and that's like no small task because your daughter is she's she's a busy bee. <laughs> um, she's she will soon be turning four, and all her previous you know the nannies, uh, daycare teachers, everybody you know. There's it's just like she's very independent. She's very independent. And, you know, it's wonderful to hear as a parent, um, but when you're uh, responsible uh, around the clock, you're like, oh, this independence is bullshit. Like, <laughs> I, need you to, I need you to take some orders and take them now. Um, <laughs> but no, no, it's, it's uh, yeah, we, we recently got a kiddie pool. Pro tip, parents, kiddie pool, kiddie <laughs> pool. Buy yourself a kiddie pool. Um, Especially here in LA, as the weather is changing, uh, the kiddie pool has really been a lifesaver. Yeah, I, I want a kiddie pool for myself. Oh yeah, I don't no, have home, any children, but I want one. <laughs> homes homeschooling went out the window about three weeks in. You know, <laughs> we were hanging tough. We we're trying to do lessons and plans and stuff, and then just no, we're gonna do we're gonna kiddie pool and build Legos outside in the yard. And um, she has like a little goofy. Uh, kids digital camera we go for walks and she takes pictures of the sidewalk or you know today she found a pinwheel that she was just like that is a beautiful pinwheel and want to take a picture of the pinwheel so anything that just sort of keeps her busy and somewhat focused on the task is really uh, uh, a winning activity yeah uh yeah. well so now so now we've we know a little bit about what your days look like now <laughs> but um could you tell our, our listeners a bit about your journey in into and out of book selling like where where did you get your start um where have you been in the intervening years that kind of thing sure sure um my my first uh job as a bookseller was at a bookstore in in miami in downtown miami uh, called the Downtown Book Center. Um, and it was a it was a general bookstore. It's no longer there, I don't believe. Um, uh, it was a general bookstore, uh, but they did a lot of business in um, sort of like Eng English language workbooks. So like uh, say like a massive tour group would unload off a cruise ship from say uh, Brazil, and they were just buy a ton of English workbooks. Um, so like to learn how to, how to speak English. Um, so while I, I can't say this with a complete, complete confidence, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was sort of 
those kinds of textbooks that just really kept the bookstore afloat while we sold everything else. We sold um, international newspapers. We carried newspapers from like Spain and Italy and France and Germany, um, as well as sort of Latin America. And, um, and it was, it was, it was wonderful. It was great. I mean, I had, I had just turned 16. I had a driver's license and my first job. Um, it was, it was amazing. Um, and, uh, worked there for about a year and a half. Um, and then, um, sometime, uh, let's see, sometime in my early twenties, I actually started working at the public library um, in downtown Miami. I was um, a librarian assistant uh, for for about two years. Um, that's sort of uh, that's where I was during 9/11. I remember sort of like driving into work and I was listening to Howard Stern at the time, and um, and him him and Robin be like, "That's weird. Something you know just crashed into the." you know, into the World Trade Center and just like, huh. And then by the time I parked the car and got into the library, it was like bomb threats had been called in and everybody was immediately sent home and, and oh. got home and turned on the news and saw the rest of it. So it was sort of like that, that, that time work at the library, which was, which was again, really, really great. Um, I met some friends that I'm still friends with to this day. Uh, at that job is sort of really synonymous during the you know with with um, 9/11 and and the early aughts. Um, I was there for a little while and and um, and then I kind of uh, I didn't really work around books for a little while. I, I I I worked in advertising for a while and absolutely hated it. Um, I went and got an MFA and that was I guess fun while it lasted. Um, and uh, and I didn't I didn't really get back into um, it's not entirely true. I, in, in Miami, I I, um, I started co-founded a um, a mobile library, um, which just something that I I just had so many books in my house. It was just really absolutely insane. It was called a library. It was sort of more like a book swap, and um, we would sort of go around town setting up these sort of pop up. Um, sort of book swap events and um and soon after that I moved to LA and um I knew that I wanted to try to really focus on my own on my own writing and um I just I needed I had I had been when I was before before I moved I was uh I was working as as an adjunct professor at a university down in Miami I was teaching you know ENC 1101 and 1102, uh, Intro to Creative Writing, and that's all well and good, but um, as anybody who's ever taught adjunct knows, like, you don't just work during your class of periods, you know, you're, you're working after hours, you're taking your work home with you, it's just, it's really, it's, it's, it's an unholy amount of, amount of work, and um, so when I moved to LA, um, I knew I did not want a job that I would take home with me um and i knew i wanted to find a, a job at a at a, a bookstore that, that was that was plan a plan a was find a job at a bookstore and 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 try and focus on my writing um and uh fortunately 
um, I had known uh, uh, Mitchell Kaplan um, from Books and Books in Miami. It's a name that might mean something to some folks in the book world. Uh, known him basically since I was like 14 years old. Um, uh, Books and Books in Miami was my local indie. Um, and, you know, it's just the, the uh, amount of, of writers that I discovered um, either by simply just shopping there or by going to events is really remarkable. But anyway, this is all to say that uh, Mitchell was kind enough to be a reference um, for me. And uh, between Mitchell Kaplan's uh, reference and the fact that I had been uh, driving books all over the greater Miami area and setting up these pop-up events made me an ideal uh, employee for uh, Skylight's offsite needs. Um, so I started working just simply as a, as, as a sort of offsite event staff. And um, just a few months after that, I was part-time in the store. A few, time, few months after that, I was uh, the events assistant um, where I was, I was the events assistant to Mary Williams, uh, the current uh, manager at Skylight. And um, I really, I really don't think, I think I'd been working honestly for less than a year, maybe a year, when Mary was promoted to the manager and I took over as the events manager. So it was a very steep learning curve. Um, and then, yeah, and then I was the events manager at Skylight for, for the last six years. Um, I, think that, I think that kind of sums it up. Yeah. Yeah. I love that skylight meteoric rise because it sounds like <laughs> yeah. what happened to me too. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, very, I started at skylight a year and a half ago, and then I started in events a year ago, and now I'm the events manager. Wild, a wild um, journey. Nobody could have foreseen any of this uh, a, a year ago. I mean, even you know when when you when you came on and you were the assistant. Um, I had no inclination that it would be it would be difficult to juggle uh you know uh parenting parenting and the demands of an events manager you know what I mean it just it just almost felt like it was those last few months those you know that, that September October stretch of 2019 where I was just like this is unfair to the store it's unfair to Maddie I don't know if I could really you know, my, my wife was, was traveling a ton and our babysitter just wasn't, babysitters weren't available on, you know, sort of relative short notice. And um, yeah, it just, it just sort of like, it felt like those last few months there. So I was, I was like, how am I going to break this to Maggie? Because <laughs> like, nobody broke it to me, you know, sort of like, I think the, we had a staff meeting where we're basically Mary was sort of announced as the the new manager, and and Chris Heiser, who's the publisher at at um, unnamed unnamed press, sort of just turned to me and said, "Congratulations on becoming the events manager." And I was like, "What?" Like with <laughs> within like the same meeting, so he he knew he knew something. He knew what was either he knew what was up, or he just knew the skylight way, you know. Um, uh, so yeah, it's. Um, yeah, if you ever get a job as the events manager at Skylight, just be forewarned. 
Yeah, mm. you never know what might be coming your way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, you've had a long, a long career in books. You've, you've been around books and book people a long time. Um, what do you think it is that keeps you coming back to books? I mean, even, even now you're, you're out of books, but you're creating a new book thing that you're doing. So you're not really out of books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's the only job I will ever really truly love. You know, um, it's the it's the only job where I don't mind bringing work home with me because that 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 entails like a stack of a stack of books to read. You know, um, I love book people. Um, you know, sort of always sort of really fascinated by um, writers and readers um, and uh, just the the community around books and independent bookstores and independent publishing is just the, the best. It's, it's killer. It, it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old and first discovering the sort of like punk rock community, you know, it's just, it's very, it's very tight knit and very supportive. And, um, you know, and, and just, it's never been more obvious than now during coronavirus where so many bookstores all over the country are relying on each other for help and guidance and advice and, and support it's it's really truly truly remarkable um so i really at this point i just can't can't imagine really doing anything anything else you know um and uh yeah so um as you alluded to um i recently um earlier this year launched uh breaking and entering which is a uh, is a quarterly journal at least that was the pre-coronavirus plan. It was a quarterly quarterly journal publishing um, uh, short stories, uh, standalone short stories as sort of uh, limited edition chapbooks, and um, and uh, looking to publish sort of primarily uh, genre stories. Um, but uh, I use the term genre very very loosely. I'm um, I'm personally more excited by writers who um, take genre tropes, um, take sort of structures and, and, and the language of genre and subvert them in new and exciting ways. Um, and I'm also interested in primarily uh, writers of, of color or, or you know, other uh, historically marginalized, marginalized writers. Um, uh, during the during the um, my time at Skylight, it's 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 the longest um, I've ever stayed at any job in my entire life, um, which says about something about how much I loved the, the job. Um, but one of the things that um, had sort of never really paid much attention to was just really the machinations of the industry, and um, I feel there are a lot of issues um in publishing that uh booksellers and writers and publishers are always sort of raising um these these issues and um you know i uh, you could you could sort of like yell about these things till you're blue in the face and um hope and pray that these gigantic corporations um, hear your pleas and start to make changes. But 
um, sort of really started to feel that was kind of like a waste of energy and, and the only way to really sort of try to enact some kind of change is to do something yourself, sort of curate something yourself with these, with these values that, that you hold dear. Um, and so uh, the idea for breaking and entering was something that had been germinating for a few years. Um, uh, and, you know, there was just, you know, the fact that I was sort of no longer at the bookstore on a sort of day-to-day -day basis, um, there was just, I didn't want to let those seven years where I made uh, just a, a, a great number of, of connections and friendships with bookstore owners and employees and writers and publishers. I mean, just the sheer volume of books that come across um, your desk. And, and also, you know, um, Maddie, you know this, um, you, you get a firsthand look at the types of books and the types of writers that publishers are willing to throw money behind to market and promote. Yeah. And um, uh, some of those writers are uh, very worthwhile, some very, very beloved writers with, with books that we all really love and admire, but there's so many other writers that fall through the cracks. And um, just wanted to take that experience, those, those last, you know, six, seven years um, of all this stuff that I've sort of absorbed and put it towards something good. Um, and I think the sort of like, uh, the, the, the sort of punk rock model where you start your own label, you start your own distribution network, you find the independent venues that are willing to support these bands. It's like, oh yeah, I could do that. Um, and so Brick and Entry was born. Um, that's such a cool way to think about it. I like comparing a publishing project to a punk, <laughs> a punk rock band. Um, because yeah, I do think that publishing as an industry doesn't really have that punk spirit. You know, we, we do kind of, a lot of us are rule followers. I'm a Virgo rising, I love rules. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I think it can take a really long time for things to change um, because of that. And because, you know, there's all these networks that um, are, are hard to break. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's really exciting to, to say, you know, no, I'm coming from this other position of like, I have a vision, I'm going to enact it. I'm going to figure out who my allies are and, and make this happen myself. Um, you know, I think, I think you have a better shot of being seen by the system if you make a ruckus outside of it, you know? Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, um, right before the, you know, the, before Break and Entry was really truly set in motion, I reached out to bookseller friends around the country and just said, hey, I got this idea. What do you think? You know, what are, what are things that I should consider that perhaps I'm not? You know, I, I reached out to, to um, some indie presses and asked them the same questions and, and took very copious notes and tried to find some middle ground between 
what my aspirations for the project for the project is um, and what's sort of realistic um, and just went from there. I mean, I've, I've uh, like I mentioned before, my entire experience has been in independent bookstores. I've never worked in publishing, so kind of flying by the seat of my pants here. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just basically made a enormous list of writers that I really love and admire and I think sort of speak to the ethos of breaking and entering and just started reaching out to them one by one. And if they said they were down, great. If they said they don't have anything for me at right now, then great, I'll circle back. Um, and uh, yeah, our first issue came out earlier this year. Um, it was a novel excerpt by Eugene Lim just really remarkable writer. Uh, we hosted, uh, I, um, I read his Dear Cyborgs, uh, put up by FSG and was just completely floored by it. I thought it was such a smart book and it's a very slim book too. And it was just the, the, the ideas that were packed in there and the way he was sort of telling a story sort of on the margins of like uh, sort of a superhero comic book sort of universe um, without any of the kapow, bang, you know, all, and, and that kind of stuff. It was just, it was so great. And um, I pitched FSG, like, please send Eugene our way. We hosted him. It was a, it was a great event. And, and um, so we got, our first issue was um, uh, in a novel excerpt from, from the novel he's working on right now. Um, and, uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's really, 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 really remarkable. It's, um, I believe, if I remember correctly, the current working title of his novel is uh, Search History, I believe. Um, I'm sure it's just a working title, but, um, and so the excerpt he gave me titled The, the Basement Food Court of Forking Paths. Um, and we got Liana Jeggers um, to do a really beautiful um, cover for it. Um, and, uh, it was, I, I couldn't have been, uh, happier with it. And, um, and I just immediately started reaching out to bookstores around the country. And I think I, um, at the time of the coronavirus, um, it was in six bookshops. I was like five independent, no, sorry, four bookshops, one, uh, art book shop. Um, Dale Zine in down in Miami, and and a uh, pop up uh, speculative fiction uh, bookshop, Paraspace Books in Dallas, and uh, and sort of I was uh, in talks with another two shops to get it in. Um, so sort of like I was really excited about getting it into stores. Um, and uh, that was great. And um, yeah, we're working on the second issue, um, which is a really uh, just a phenomenal uh, short story by Namwali Serpil, um, author of The Old Drift. Um, it's a short story called Zona. Um, and I, I can't wait for people to read it because it's, it's if, you're a, if you're a fan of her work, I mean, you're, you're, you're going you're to love this story. And um, again, got a really beautiful 
cover illustration by Ellen Baum. Um, and that, that is, that issue two is, is locked and loaded, but given the way, you know, coronavirus has just gummed up all the works, um, you know, it's uh, all but waiting to sort of pull the trigger on, on some of the sort of formatting decisions and, and, uh, you know, just all, you know, sort of uh, little design things here and there. Um, but it's really important to me to get these into stores and uh, independent bookstores got a lot more on their plate right now than carrying this um, little sort of start, startup journal. Um, yeah. But that's, that's where we are right now. And um, currently in talks for, with uh, a writer for issue three and uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, it's exciting. Um, yeah, it's good. I'm curious, do you have uh, plans to put these online? Like, well, is there a way to buy like an e-version of these stories? Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's something else I've sort of been talking uh, to um, my web designer about um, because uh, we do have a website and we do sell them on the website. Um, uh, but I want to make an e version available uh, we've been going back and forth like um maybe there is just a sort of standalone e-version that you could purchase maybe you know when you purchase a physical one you you get an e-version along with it um and uh that is something that we're working on at the moment but again like everybody's just got so much on their plate right now that um, reaching out to my designer or, or my web guy to be like, Hey, can you tackle this thing? Like right now, it just seems very low, low, um, low priority. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's in the works. I don't know exactly when those versions will be up. Um, but hopefully soon. Hmm. Well, and yeah. it's, I mean, it sounds like this project to you is really about creating the physical object, right? Like you, you've gone to all this effort to make these beautiful covers. They're, are they letterpress? The printing? It's uh, really gorgeous. Uh, risograph. Oh, risograph. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. so you've like gone, th you've created these beautiful objects using all these analog processes. So, I mean, yeah, I, I only asked about the E thing because, you know, we're all now, everything's online, but it seemed like this project was born from a place of like, I want to have, I want to create this beautiful object that showcases this story uh, in a physical way. Um, so yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, absolutely. Uh, I mean, um, as someone who like just deeply values sort of um, small uh, businesses and independent press uh, independent bookstores you know when you walk into uh an independent bookstore or a record store or if you're so fortunate enough to live in a city that still has like a video store you know when you're actually able to like walk through these spaces and sort of sort through things and like literally physically whether whether it's through the help of uh, a staffer at the shop or whether it's just you know uh fate brings you and said object of your affection together, um, there's just something really sort of special when you like actually hold the thing in your hand. 
-hmm. you know, um, and that that sort of little spark of magic when you discover something um, physically, I think is I think is really is really valuable, you know. So um, definitely at the heart of this is getting it into bookstores and hopefully if people discover the magazine uh, either, you know, through social media or however else they discover it, hopefully it, it drives them to go visit um, these independent uh, bookstores or art bookstores that perhaps they might not have heard of before. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just something that it's very, it's very, it's very important to me, you know, you, um, my, 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 my family are, you know, they're uh, Cuban exiles that have basically run um, restaurants for over 25 years. So the idea of a small business um, is really deeply ingrained in me. Um, I very, very much believe in them. Um, and they are just up against, uh, I mean, so many obstacles you know whether it's uh, you you know the you know you know the list like just giant corporations you know yeah. uh, big box stores strip mall it's just it's 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 harder and harder to make these sort of unique pockets of of character and personality survive in the 21st century and those those are the things that make our our cities special um, so getting a physical object into a physical store is really really important to me you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that we live in the 21st century and half our lives are, are spent in these sort of digital spaces. So um, coming up with some type of, uh, you know, digital version of this is, is, is key. Um, uh, so I'm not oblivious to that, um, but I wanna make sure that, that the, the principal object is the physical, the physical story. Yeah, I mean, I think that, having the physical object is like it's it's having a memory it's having a, a tactile memory like i think you know as a denizen of online i i can't remember anything i read online you know a few days later but yeah. i have i have little chapbooks and little zines that people have given me over the years and i have kept from you know i've moved so many times but i have like a whole stack of these things and every time i look through them i remember where they came from and who gave them to me and when i read them and you know i think that a physical object can hold that so much better than a digital one <laughs> obviously yeah absolutely and um you know when uh, whenever we would travel um, seems like such a foreign concept these days but whenever we would travel we go to a a, a city you know, I would tell my wife the only things I really sort of care about is finding a, a, you know, great bookstore or two and um and great restaurants. That that's really that's really it. You know, if, yeah. if you know if there was a, you know, and um. And uh, you walk into a bookstore, and you know, most every bookstore is going to have, you know, those hardcover new releases from the big five publisher are gonna be there and then once you once you move past that area into where those little spaces are where the where the where the staff has made it uniquely their own and they're offering things that you can only find there that's where you find the really special things that when you get home and you're pulling all this sort of stuff out you're like oh man i can't believe i found this really unique 
you know, whether it is a chapbook or a zine or you find you, you, you make your way to their used books or, or rare books section and you're like, oh man, I found that first edition of whatever, you know, wh wh whatever it may be. But yeah. that, that experience where you really find your way to the like unique aspects of the individual individual stores is is really where the sort of connections are made you know yeah. um i'll never forget the first time i went to uh chicago and went to myopic books i was like oh yeah i'm completely blown away by this place this is fantastic um so every time i subsequently go to chicago i go to other more and more bookstores but I always make sure to go back uh, to my op because it was like one of the very first bookstores I walked into in Chicago. And my experience there was, was, was so great. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. as an example. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm always looking, when I go into a new bookstore, I always look for the um, UFO, paranormal, supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> That's always my favorite yeah. spot to go to first. You learn a lot about the store by what's in that section. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's telling that at Skyline, every section is very clearly marked, you know, fiction, you know, whatever, cook, cookbook, and then, and then you get to that section ours, and it's just like, it's like <laughs> it's an head. Yeah, it's like yeah. arcane <laughs> symbols. <laughs> That's all Charles yeah, yeah. doing, I know. Absolutely <laughs> it is, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember the first time I came into Skylight, and I saw that section, and I was like, oh, there's some weirdos who work here. This is a good store. <laughs> yeah. Um, all of the anarchy yeah, books and yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's, let's talk very, just very briefly. Let's like imagine <laughs> into the future after coronavirus, uh, what, what, what could you see happening in the book industry to kind of make things um, more aligned with this vision of bookstores as these uh, you know, spaces of character, spaces of community, spaces of expression. Um, what what can you do to, like, if you have ideas, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Daydreams, like, what do you what do you see? Man, uh, that's like the million dollar question right now, isn't it? I know. Um, that's why I'm asking everyone. <laughs> yeah, I I really, I really, I really don't know. I I'm I. I I worry about independent bookstores or really just any independent business during all this, like how they're gonna keep the lights on. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to believe that something more equitable will come out the other side. Um, and I waffle back and forth between being optimistic and being a total nihilist and be like, absolutely not, just more, you know, vultures will swoop down and just buy all these buildings and just turn them all into office spaces or whatever they're going to do. You know, I just, I, uh, I, I don't know, you know, um, I'll, 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 um, I'll say this. I don't, I don't know personally any of the gang at uh, um, Pilsen Community Books in Chicago. I, I don't, I don't know them. I haven't spoken to them, but they seem like they've got a pretty good co-op model going over there. Um, again, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know them, and I haven't spoken to them in great length. But I, I wonder if that's uh, something that can be looked at in the future as um, 
as a possible model. Um, I, I, man, I, I really, I, I just don't know. You know, I, I don't think converting bookstores into basically fulfillment centers is the, is the answer. You know, um, there's something really special and unique about being able to physically walk into a space and interact with the space and the, and the books and the staff. So just basically being like an independent version of Amazon where you're just filling orders all day isn't, isn't really a, a, a solution. Um, uh, man, I, I really don't know. You know, I was, I was thinking about this just the other day. It's like, when are, when are in-store events going to come back and what will they look like? You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you know, our event with like Ocean Vong would never happen. You know, yeah, we had like event, 250 people crammed into the store. Yeah, would yeah. never, ever happen. And I mean, and just the, the vibe in the store when it's just that packed not gonna lie, a little hot, a little hot, a little uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah. people standing up, but it's also just really miraculous. It's, it's, it's so, it's so uniquely its own vibe, its own energy. It's, it's really remarkable. And, um, is that ever going to really happen again? I, I, I hope so. Um, you know, just the, 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 the long list of doorbuster events at Skylight where it's just like, everybody's just like so thrilled to be there is is something that you I would, I would hate to lose um but it's hard to imagine what that's going to look like on the other side of this you know um yeah i don't i don't know i wish i wish i had like a really uh intelligent answer to give you right now <laughs> or really insightful but just think there's just so many so many factors involved um yeah. from the from the economics of book selling to the economics of like rent yeah you know in 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 you know does this mean that will will people disperse from big cities and all move into small towns around the country because that's where you can afford to own your own building um and thereby make your own rules i don't i don't know yeah. you know maybe I, I i don't know but yeah it's it's so I think, and this is the optimist side of me, but um, indies have faced so just an unrelenting avalanche of challenges, you know, over the past 30 years. Um, and somehow they just always adapt. And, you know, the, every media outlet will write a story about the death of indie bookstores and then they love writing those articles they love writing those articles they love them almost as much as the death of death of of print you know articles and and yet somehow always find a way to change and adapt oh did i lose you are you there oh sorry i had a, had a phone call come in um yeah yeah um um yeah, and, and always find a way to sort of change and adapt. And the optimist in me believes that um, indie bookstores will find a way through this. Um, it won't always be pretty. And I fear that we'll lose some of the most beloved institutions along the way. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but, you know, as these small business loans have proven um, we're not exactly sort of high on the priority scale uh, for our sort of 
you know, state and federal governments. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be largely on the independent bookstore community sort of come together and figure out how to, how to move into the future. Yeah. I mean, sorry, I, I wish I had a better answer. No, I, th I think that's good. I mean, we're all, you know, everybody's trying to talk through this right now, but everything changes every couple of days. So it's hard to, it's hard to think about the future at all. Um, even in the short term. But I don't know. I mean, I was thinking about when you were talking about coming from, you know, this place of believing in small businesses um, and your family's history with restaurants, I was like, well, I wonder if, if what needs to happen is there needs to be solidarity across small business sectors where, you know, like I've seen a few stores do this where they partner with some kind of a restaurant or a cafe. Yeah. I, I visited Red Emma's um, over in Baltimore mm -hmm. at Winter Institute this year, and they have an incredible cafe um, and a bar and yeah. the bookstores in the basement. Um, and it's all, you know, worker owned and, and they seem to be pretty successful. Um, so I wonder if there's yeah, oh, like, some way to think about the business model as collaborative with other kinds of businesses um and like there's stores doing this kind of like new version of curbside pickup where they partnered with like their the cafe next door or something to do book drop off um yeah ab ab absolutely um i believe i believe um east bay is doing something similar i think they're partnering with um i, I believe it's a coffee shop yeah. sort of on their block um yeah one of my one of my favorite um sandwich shops in in the city is um is a munch factory <laughs> um not crazy about the name but you know whatever um <laughs> uh but uh in, in south pasadena and they're right next to a video store that i really love video tech it's it's um and you know uh every now and then i would i would either go to the video store first rent a couple of movies and then go sit down and have a sandwich the sandwich shop and it was just sort of part of my part of my routine part of my ritual and um it's a wonderful way to while uh while away a couple of, of hours in the day um but that that sandwich shop they've partnered with a ton of businesses where they're you know they're selling everything from like skincare products to jewelry and it's all just like independent businesses in the neighborhood that they're all just sort of teaming up together um so, you know, whenever I can place in order and go pick up a sandwich, I just pick up something else, um, whether or not I necessarily need it, um, just to try to help, because I think that is sort of um, something that you are seeing. You are seeing, um, especially businesses that, you know, sort of share a street or a block and, they, you know, whatever it is, all sort of like kind of banding together to, to help each other out. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, yeah, that, that seems to be sort of organically, organically happening. Yeah. um around the country yeah yeah i'm it's interesting we'll we'll see kind of how this evolves um i wonder if if that that kind of partnership will become more widespread um i hope so i think it would be yeah cool to see. yeah um all right well i think this has been a great conversation i want to end with my traditional last question <laughs> what are you reading okay. right now oh oh boy um I'm not gonna lie. Uh, coronavirus has absolutely cratered my ability to focus on yeah. anything. Same. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think I would, you know, 
if I had to guess, I'd say I would typically read about a book a week, maybe, you know, maybe if I, you know, if I was reading sort of uh, poetry or graphic novels, I could maybe blow through two or three of them in a week, you know, but now oof, um, I'm currently reading uh, Michael Kohlhaas uh, by Henrik von Kleist. Uh, it's a it's a New Directions book. And it's, I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's like maybe like 120 pages. And it's taken me like, I'm still, not, I think I'm like on page 70 or something right now. And I've been reading it for like three weeks. I just, I just, you know, um, uh, by the time I, you know, I, I do most of my reading at, at night, obviously once, you know, once the baby goes down and I'm just, I'm just gassed and not only physically gassed, but just mentally exhausted. And I just really can't, I can't concentrate, you know, it's, it's, it's really, um, I could tell you, if I think about this, I could tell you what's on my nightstand. Um, the Michael Kohlhaas is on there, uh, which is what I'm currently reading. Um, Attica Locked, Bluebird, Bluebird is on there. Um, what else? Oh, uh, Hurricane Season, the Fernando Melchor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, is on there. Um, I have a, um, I purchased this from Other Books in LA, which is just a phenomenal used bookstore that I encourage everybody to, to reach out to and support. Um, they posted this book that I've never seen before. It was a compilation of short stories by Latin American women uh, called The Magic and the Real. I believe it's a, I think it's a modern library cl uh, a classics. And they posted it on their Instagram and I immediately emailed them and I'm like, I need to buy that from you right now. Um, and that's, that's sitting on my nightstand and, uh, oh, and the other one that's sitting there right now is, um, they will drown in their mother's tears, um, mm -hmm. by, uh, Johans. Oh, I'm going to butcher his last name. Uh, on I believe it is a N Y U R U. I think I spelled that correctly. Um, it's a two lines book and it's really remarkable. That, that's one of those books that, um, I got the galley of, I think I read, I read it about like halfway through and I just straight up closed it. And I'm like, I'm going to purchase this book because I want to support this book and I will finish it then. And I think I probably took it back to Skylight and I don't even know who I ended up giving it to, but it's like, this book is really, really, truly remarkable. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's weird, but sometimes like if I, if I really love a galley, um, I just, stop reading it and decide to purchase it. I don't know if that makes any, you, know, like the, the, you have to, you have to claw your way through the TBR pile somehow. Yeah. And, uh, and, and um, finding the, the books that you want to throw your financial support behind is I'm like, yes, this is remarkable. I will finish this. Let me buy it. Um, and that's, that's sitting on the two. So I think, yeah, I usually keep about five books and uh, I think those are the, five that I have on my nightstand right now. That's a healthy stack. Sounds like good it's stuff. a healthy stack. It's a healthy stack. And at the rate, at the pace I'm going to, maybe I'll finish the five by the end of the year. You know, um, <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very embarrassing. Um, no, I get it. I mean, I've been, yeah. I've just been watching Real Housewives. Uh, <laughs> that's all I'm doing right now. I'm like halfway through the, the new Laura Vandenberg collection. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I can only read like one story at a time and then I have to wait a couple of days. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I I love Laura Vandenberg, and I really love I really love that that collection. Um, 
I'm not going to remember the name of the story right now, but have you read the one about the, it's very short, but the, about the wife that drinks sort of like a monster energy drink. Have you read that story yet? Oh no, I haven't gotten there yet. Wait, wait. sorry. I'm, now I'm like totally butchering. It, man, it's a very short story and it's, I probably butchered it. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, not 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 to think about. It, I think it's a it's the husband who ends up buying these sort of drinks out of the trunk of some dude's car. And oh yeah, the yeah, yeah. Them, yes, the I did read them. that one. It's yeah. very it's very short, and it's just it's so. You know, it's it, it's it's one of those stories that's really, despite my inability to sort of accurately describe the story, um, it is one of those that's really sort of stuck with me just from. Uh, from a story sense, but also like um, from a craft sense, I'm like, how is this story? It's making me feel such a confluence of feelings that are all so strange, and I'm, I'm, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I, I love, I love all her work. Um, yeah, I feel like the of- new collection is very like, it's like Brian Evanson, but more kind of feminine take on some of his horror like it's definitely creepy as hell but I feel yeah. like there's like a yeah. there's a bit of a softer touch to it that makes them kind of even more creepy and more insidious yeah I mean I I just I come away from some of these stories and I'm I'm not sure what I just read you know I I'm I can't articulate my feelings about them but they just they just keep knocking around inside of me. I, I'm I'm really I, she's one of my favorite short story writers. I'm I really love love her work. Um, yeah, yeah. I really um, I was I I was I read um, the Third Hotel, and I was all over our FSG rep like. Let me talk about this book, please, 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 please. And I was able to, I was able to contribute a blurb uh, for some of the PR that went out for it. And I was very, I was very grateful because I really loved that book also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to read that one next, eventually, whenever I finish the collection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's also, it's also a slim, a slim novel. Mm-hmm. Um, Love a slim novel. That's my favorite. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Especially, especially these days, you know, give me, give me that 200 page, give me that 200 page novel, please. You know, Um, under 200 pages. Beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think we're going to end here. Um, Thank you again, David, for, for coming on the hand cell. Um, How can people find breaking and entering if they want to check it out? Yeah. So um, you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, breaking underscore entering um and oh shit i'm gonna do it i i have not used the breaking entering twitter um in weeks and i'll be damned if i can remember what the hell i changed it like 16 times um <laughs> it's a twitter handle on there somewhere uh so maybe wow, instagram is better then it's, instagram is better and um <laughs> maybe maybe do you guys have like a do you guys have like a comments maybe you sort of put the twitter handle in the comments was yeah. hang up we'll put it um, in the episode description Okay, cool. Thank you so much. Is, I what a terrible salesman I am. Can't remember my own Twitter handle. Um, it just uh, Twitter's a hellscape, and and yeah. you know from 
like I'm, I'm not naturally a good salesman and trying to be a salesman in the age of coronavirus feels especially icky. So um, I've just really just have not been opening my, my uh, Twitter really at all. You know, um, that's a good choice. For except to read. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just like, you know, it's, um, I, 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 I want to keep the breaking and entering Twitter handle to just be about books and stories and shops. And, and it just sort of feels like somehow something that's, I don't know, just, um, to me personally, it feels a little bit in poor taste and I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around like, Hey, check this out, buy this, you know, when, when what 40 million people are without jobs it just it just something feels um it, it just doesn't really come naturally to me where instagram just feels a little bit you know, can just kind of sort of share things without this sort of like impetus of like bye 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 um so yeah, so I do have a Twitter handle. I promise. I just can't remember the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So check out breaking yeah. and entering on Instagram. Yeah. It's breaking underscore entering on, in on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thanks, David. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to thank stop. you, Maddie. It was great having yeah. you and um, yeah. hope to see you in person sometime soon. Yeah. Please, please give a, a huge socially distant hug to, to, to the entire crew at, at, at Skylight. I miss everybody very much. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon. I see.